Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that seeks peace through unity and unity through faith. Faith and forgiveness above all else. In recognition that all of us are fallible, imperfect beings, and that it's not your fault you're such a stupid bitch. Just like it's not my fault that I had to smack you around a bit, bloody your nose and black your eye for having been such a stupid bitch. And if we're going to get past this, this speed bump... That is me sleeping with your sister and her drunk-ass best friend after you'd passed out on your birthday. You're going to have to understand that trying to blame me for that isn't going to heal this relationship. Neither is another fucking restraining order. You love me. And love means accepting that sometimes I lose my temper. I am who I am. And if we're going to have peace, if we're going to be united, you're going to have to stop with all this living in the past. You're not even bleeding anymore. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? I don't know. I thought I was okay, and now I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I won't let the kids hear that intro, probably. Uh, today is Monday, January 18th, 2021. Mm. Abe, the president has been impeached again. Yep, with 36 hours to go. Does it even mean anything since they did it already the first time? <laughs> cheapens everything. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of surreal, I was just saying. It's 9 o'clock here on a Monday night. By the time this comes out... Hello, everyone. This is Bob here interrupting myself and Abe and Lori to say that we did go on to talk a good deal about impeachment and what that means and what the last week has looked like and what the awful Republicans said at the impeachment hearing and what we think it could mean moving forward. And it was a very fine conversation, boring in parts, and not something that I particularly think anyone needs to be subjected to. In addition to that, and the real reason that I'm here, because I've never hesitated to bore you before, as I'm sure you know, a good chunk of it has got some strange electronic interference on it. I will play an example of that now. Right, but the number of people, it's like when you look at the uh, multi-level marketing, which renders a lot of the recording from last night uh, largely unlistenable. So we will spare you that and... In a few minutes, I will jump ahead to the end of the conversation. The technical difficulties went away for some reason, and we had to talk about white supremacy and other things, and then we also play a game before we shove off for the night. That was fun. It was fun. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But as long as I'm taking 45 minutes or so out of the middle of the episode, I might as well monologue for a bit, which I know is... A largely dreadful thing to have to listen to when it comes to podcasts, but I'm not going to let that stop me now. And I think that a couple of things that I was thinking about today kind of tie into this conversation that you'll hear in a few minutes in a sort of oblique way, not necessarily in a direct way, but just in a way that I think that even having certain conversations 
is itself self-defeating that that just the prospect of talking about something can often be the hurdle itself that makes it impossible to come to any sort of conclusion on not even in terms of not even in terms of coming to an agreement but even in terms of getting to a point where two sides can agree to disagree and move on with their lives and something that uh, Mike Pompeo of all people tweeted out this morning got me thinking about this again Mike Pompeo outgoing secretary of state for Donald Trump former uh, CIA director under Donald Trump no doubt a presidential hopeful in 2024 has been tweeting up a storm here in the last couple of days before he has to give up the title and the Twitter account of the Secretary of State. And he's clearly trying to grab hold of the nationalistic end of the Trump support. I don't think, and I think Abe would agree with me here, Mike Pompeo doesn't stand much of a chance. He's far too much of a stiff, and he does this sort of fake tough guy routine that I don't think anyone buys. But nonetheless, he believes that he will be the president someday, so I suppose we all have to take him somewhat seriously. Anyway, he was tweeting a lot the last couple of days, and one that made a lot, ended up making a lot of headlines, and I sort of knew that it would as soon as, it, as, soon as I saw it, uh, was the following. He said, Wokeism, multiculturalism, all the isms, they're not who America is. They distort our glorious founding and what this country is all about. Our enemies stoke these divisions because they know they make us weaker. That's the end of that part of the quote. He also he tweeted it out in the context of quoting himself on something else, where he says, quote, censorship, wokeness, political correctness, it all points in one direction, authoritarianism, cloaked as moral righteousness. And there's a lot going on there. Plenty of people took issue with the, his use of the, the word multiculturalism as a, as a negative, specifically in the context of this country. What struck me as odd about it is that being mad about multiculturalism specifically is that the very thing that quote-unquote makes America great in the formulation of the Pompeo Trump types is the coming together of disparate people from cultures all over the world to produce the greater whole. Like that is sort of definitionally what it means to be an American. Uh, combined with an almost like radical notion of the importance of individual identity you would think that it would be weird for conservatives to demand a shedding of that sort of personal cultural identity in favor of a purely nationalistic one. And the only way that I can sort of marry those two worldviews together in my head is that it, it's just more sort of what I've referred to before as the, the death of metaphor in public life or in online life and then extending into public life. The old idea of America as the melting pot uh, was that people came from all over the world and they acclimate to the American way or the culture or whatever, and that the country is stronger for it. 
But that gets calcified into this belief that individuals have to shed previous affiliations or identities to be a real part of the whole. Of course, that changes from generation to generation depending on who counts as the other at any given time. Pompeo obviously being an example of a of a name that probably traces its roots back to Italy, I would imagine. And there certainly was a time, a not too distant time in this country's past, when Italians were considered, let's say, less than white themselves and were not welcomed with open arms in a way that uh, Pompeo would imagine that he belongs in this country now. And that obviously changes from generation to generation, from, you know, the, the concepts evolve over time and who is and who is not welcome here changes. And what does and does not count as being assimilated into the melting pot will change right along with that. Or whatever Mike Pompeo considers his tradition and heritage to be is just part of whatever melting pot goo that he sees reflected in his American experience. And that goes for a lot of people who think this way, and that sort of explains their horror at the salad bowl metaphor, which came to pass as a replacement for the melting pot at some point, I think when I was a kid, which should really just be understood the salad bowl thing is people being permitted to maintain some of their cultural identity at the same time that they contribute to the greater whole that is this country. And for an ideology beholden to, like I said earlier, an almost radical individualism, it's odd that they lose the thread from personal identity on the way to e pluribus unum uh, out of many one. But either way, whether it's the melting pot metaphor or the salad bowl metaphor, ideologies are calcified, they're entrenched. The, the metaphors no longer function as a bridge to actual understanding. They're, they've become ideological in a way that they weren't before, and rather as a, a useful tool for elucidation, they're just stupid propagandistic weapons, and they serve only as rhetorical tools in the culture war. And it becomes one of these things where even talking about it only ends up making it worse. And Abe and I sort of get into that in the next portion of the show when he comes back. So I'll leave some of that alone. But it also strikes me as being not unlike the old can you separate the art from the artist conversation, which has always been very annoying to me in a general sort of way. Uh, Phil Spector died a few days ago now. This is a man who, along with fewer than half a dozen other as influential people, basically invented pop music in the mid to late 20th century. Like everything that we, everything that you've heard, all pop music that you've heard for the last 50 years owes some debt to Phil Spector one way or another. And of course it varies how much of a debt, but somewhere between a little bit and a lot, it's safe to say. Uh, Phil Spector is also a fucking madman, and not in a good or interesting or funny way. He apparently was a person absolutely fascinated with guns who would 
keep them around the studio and point them at various artists. He apparently was holding his first wife hostage for a time, like took her shoes and wouldn't let her leave the house. And uh, just an abusive maniac, just an absolute asshole. And not enough people stepped in over the course of his long life, and he eventually killed another of his wives, somebody else, an actress, I believe she was, and ended up in jail and died in jail because of, because of that murder. He was an undeniably horrible human being by most accounts, including the account of his wife that he shot dead. But it is also true that he invented pop music, and those two things have absolutely nothing to do with one another at all. And the act of even having the conversation about whether or not we should celebrate or even consume the works of problematic or demonstrably awful human beings is itself just sort of a big red herring, I think. It's a confounding variable that just distracts and it introduces an idea that there is a relationship between the consumption of Phil Spector's work and the fact that he was a terrible human being. There is, in fact, no relationship there. But the fact of having the conversation invents it out of thin air. And it becomes a completely unbridgeable divide. It becomes something that because it was invented out of thin air, because, it, because it's a concept that does not exist until you speak it into life, you can't actually overcome it. In a similar way, Eric Clapton was trending again on Twitter today for having, I forget why, There's the stupid explanation of it, it just points to a sort of daily nightmare of being on these platforms at all. And I don't know why I continue to maintain a presence there. But he, Eric Clapton comes up and they had tried to cancel Eric Clapton a few months ago because somebody brought up the fact, which had been brought up, it's brought up every few years, that he went on a like wildly racist rant on stage in the 1970s while he was drunk and complaining about, yeah, he said awful things, like undeniably awful things, using slurs that I didn't even know were slurs because I'm not an English person. And just inexcusable things about how England should not be a, a colony of Africa and the, and the Middle East or something, and that they should send them all back and all of that. Utterly indefensible things that he was saying. But also, Eric Clapton is God, right? And he is, he's one of the greatest guitar players of all time. He has some of the most identifiable and greatest guitar licks ever laid down. The two things don't have anything to do with one another. And there, there should be nothing that stops a person from listening to Eric Clapton music. There shouldn't be any guilt there. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that it turns out that he is, in this other domain, an entirely terrible human being. Now, if that means that you don't want to financially support Eric Clapton out of your own whatever personal moral obligation you believe you have, like that, that's one thing, I guess. But to go around trying to police that in other people to invent that problem out of thin air strikes me as a 
something entirely unnecessary and, and entirely unhelpful. It's just there is no moral component to the overwhelming majority of the questions at hand. But we face a discourse that insists on the moral reducibility of basically everything. And that, in its own way, points back to the Pompeo quote, where he's saying that censorship, wokeness, political correctness, it all points in one direction. Authoritarianism cloaked as moral righteousness. And what he doesn't realize is that the, the moral righteousness is also coming from inside the house. It's coming from him himself, because, of course, uh, it's not bad moral righteousness if it's your own. And this, I'm not the, by, by no means am I the first person to, uh, to suggest that there's something about social media that has introduced a moral component to every aspect of, of human life that it simply didn't have before, and not in a good way, not in a way that uh, makes things better for anyone, but instead in a way that like raises the stakes on every single human interaction uh, in a way that only adds stress and divisiveness and like unnecessary complication to the most mundane of human interactions. And you can see it play out in every possible moment when you're dicking around on social media, whether it's a, a family member's post on Facebook or some stranger on Twitter. I remember Abe used to joke that one day we're going to see cell phones and we'll look at cell phones as the same way that we look at, at cigarettes now, that 30 years from now, people will be walking around with tumors the size of baseballs on the side of their heads from those funny years in the early 21st century that we all stuck electronics to the sides of our faces. And I don't think there's a great deal of scientific backing for that particular position anymore. But I think from a uh, long-term negative psychological or emotional effect, it won't be the devices themselves, but it will be this, our way of interacting with them. It will be this social media thing that we look back on as having been incredibly unhealthy and unhelpful in the, uh, certainly in the pursuit of, of happiness and, and probably in the pursuit of any rational human interest uh, in terms of making things better. I, I doubt that there's anything there. But anyway, that's enough out of me on my own. I apologize for asking you to sit through that, but I assure you it was at least slightly less grating on the ears than having to listen to the uh, static feedback of the other recording. And you don't really need to hear us go on and on about the impeachment. Anyway, I do wonder what this podcast is going to look like moving forward without Trump. I had said all along that I didn't want it to be a Trump-centric podcast, and we did a halfway decent job with that. But the fact is, is that he dominated the news in a way that it's hard to think of another cultural figure who was able to dominate the national attention span in this way for such an extended period of time. He was a, he was a nine 11 that just kept happening. <laughs> I don't mean that in terms of actual negative impact or, or lives lost though, as we approach half a million lives lost to the pandemic, uh, 
maybe that will become more literal. But he was a 9-11 that just kept happening in terms of uh, our ability to look away from it, which was functionally non-existent. And I don't know. I don't know. I It would obviously be better for me, for all of us, to have other things to talk about. And maybe we'll get back into more of the content moss stuff that we were doing a little more regularly before we look at movies or books from our perspective. Maybe we'll get back to that uh, sooner rather than later. But yeah, that's, uh, that's all I've got for now. I will let you get back to the regularly scheduled part of the show. We will jump back in here with Abe and I in the middle of a discussion about how to discuss the Trump phenomenon as having risen out of America's original sin, out of out of notions of a white supremacist culture, the way that so many of the more quote-unquote woke among us uh, are constantly insisting on doing. So, here that is, and I will talk to you later. Then what is the thing that you're upset about, right? You make the boogeyman so big that the boogeyman is literally everyone except you. Now, uh, are they trying to... I didn't read this article. Are they trying to do the thing, you know, like on the gender side of things, where, you know, you don't have to be a man to be to believe in or to su- subscribe to the patriarchy, right? Quote, unquote, right? So it's just like all of these coloreds and whites alike right. believe it's in the... the exact sort of thing that I was reading in philosophy classes 15 and 20 years ago. Right. And like getting a kick out of and it's a fun thought experiment in a way and right. it's like an interesting thing and now it's an op-ed in the Washington Post right right and if if that if that's the target if the if if you're able to spread the target so wide as that then it seems to me that a similar thing can happen when you start kicking off Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene and then 80,000 QAnon uh posters from your your publishing platform, like who becomes the next target? Because it's not like people are going to to wake up one day and say, oh, Twitter is a fucking paradise now. I have nothing left to complain about and everything is cool, right? Right. But I mean, I I suspect nothing more will come of it. You know, there's always this, I think Adam Carolla had this whole bit about like the slippery slope. Everything is a slippery slope when it's, in fact, it's not. I mean, there's a possibility that things could slide down to just the average user being impacted. I don't think that that sort of thing would happen because I guess I've always said there is a cost to whatever Twitter is doing, you know, as big as they are, another company, I mean, what, it's basically like public text, right? I mean, what is Twitter? It's just a bunch of people in a communal way. But it's not, it's not all that easy to figure it out, right? Right. Like, and it'll be almost impossible for another company to overtake them, but it's not impossible, Right. So like if they keep on tinkering, right? So if they're, you know, messing with the 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 easy targets of Trump and QAnon and I'm sure most of these are bots and not even real human accounts, and they get down to like regular users, if you piss off enough people, they're not beholden to Twitter, they'll go somewhere else. It and and, and Twitter is not connected in, in in the way that Facebook is to where, oh, I'm gonna leave Facebook for Instagram. Well, got you. I'm going to go from Instagram to WhatsApp. I got you again. Like, you know, Twitter does not have that sort of flexibility to where 
you know, they can just say, we can absorb some losses because wherever you go, we're likely going to be there too. Uh, so there is a cost. So I don't think that they're going to do too much of that, that hypothetical slippery slope scenario where they're, you know, purging a bunch of accounts for different reasons. But I could yeah. be wrong. And I don't know that that's necessarily the slippery slope that I would be even concerned about, which is a company sabotaging its user base to the point of rendering itself non-existable, right. yeah. basically. Right? Inhospitable. Like that, 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 <laughs> Of course, of course, that's not the slippery slope that I would expect to find us going down. It's a question of moving what is and what is not acceptable speech. Right. And it's why I'm somewhat sympathetic to the people who say that it is dumb to think of the entire Trump spasm, the Trumpening, as a symptom of a basically untreatable white supremacy culture right. that runs this country, which is that you we have continued to define down what it means to be a white supremacist such that, and, and I'm not, I don't want to say that he's not a racist cockbag. I've said specifically that Trump acted and spoke and talked like and behaved like a racist cockbag. And that was the exact phrase that I used in my blog, uh, racist cockbag. And I think that that is not, <laughs> not to be disputed too much, but to suggest that somehow everything about the Trumpening is a result of a culture of white supremacy runs the risk of... Like, white supremacy... It, the Nazis tried to purge a whole people yes. from the planet right. because they believed that they were uh, a genetically inferior bunch who could ruin the world if allowed to just live in it, right? right. Uh, and that the, the Nazis were the pure race who needed to people the planet. Uh, that's white supremacy, right? right. Like that's a very bad ideology that uh, has at it, at its core an explicit violence. The rest of this shit is mostly not that, right? Right. It's bad, but it's not white supremacy. But a lot of uh, the most violent elements of the insurrection were people that adhere to that sort of ideology, right? Right, right. Absolute. And I'm not denying that for a second. Yes, but also that idiot, that idiot who was walking through the Capitol building with a con Confederate battle flag. Yeah, I don't know him. I doubt that I he's a white don't. supremacist, yeah. right? Like, and that sounds dumb. But most of the people who fly the Confederate battle flag are are just in the "don't tread on me" middle finger to everybody. You ain't no better than me, crowd. Right, and that is like to call that. But you know, a you, white you, supremacist yeah. thing just on its face seems to me to be sort of misunderstanding the horrors of what that ideology is actually capable. I, of. I think you're right in one sense that one of the arguments that they're trying to say is just to you know like a big middle finger, right? But if you weren't at least open to the idea of that school of thought, you would like express your middle finger in a different way, right? So, like, they don't seem to have a problem being associated with those symbols, right? And so they may not themselves be, like, hardcore people yeah. from Idaho it or whatever. It may not be the first thing on their platform, but it's in there. Right, yeah. It's, like, towards the bottom. Like, right. fuck everybody else. Right. P people express because themselves in many different... and we're better. Right. People it's not the first thing, right. but it's on the list. Right. I mean, I, 
Because maybe I'm su- maybe I'm super naive. I don't think but, that but, the identity. But think is, about like, it. Like I'm not denying the existence of real neo Nazis right. and real white supremacists, right? Like those are people who are on the internet. They post actual like you can go and you can find them. But it's such a vanishingly small number of people that to associate just sort of general bad policies that you disagree with right <laughs> with white supremacy and the patriarchy and these big social boogeymen who will never be defeated in the way that you have defined them right that it they become these monsters that are effectively impossible to defeat that they are they are somehow foundational to the the very fact of the existence of this country I don't know what you're accomplishing there. But uh, uh, but going back to what I was saying earlier, so like most of the crowd weren't, they probably would not, you know, do something violent other than just, you know, destruction of property and, you know, breaking the laws or whatever. But they, they're not the hardcore people that were in the group, but they facilitated the hardcore people in the group to do what they want. If these people are, if we were to give them all the outs to say, it's just more middle finger than anything else. It's their, their primary concern is in white supremacy or whatever. They're just pissed off and they're re- acting out in this way. These people are, at the very least, the most generous thing you could say about them is that they're facilitating the people who do want harm and they do believe so in these okay things to with accomplish. Right, but what, what I'm they saying want. is that it's just not. It's not a rational approach to solving any of the problems, right? Right. Like, like, well, like not, n- I think that, I think that the reason why they're the argument is being made in that way is because it's like an easy argument to make, even though it's not entirely accurate, you know, just to say they are bad. They are. It's not just that it's not entirely accurate. I think that it's actively counterproductive to, I mean, solving any of the problems. You could probably address it in a more nuanced way, but it's not, I mean, that applies to some of the people in the group, you know, there's not going to be anything you can say that's like applicable to everyone. Right. But you say, if you just turn this argument slightly and start having it about the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer and you say, look, I know that not all of these people are uh, violent fucking criminals right. who want to burn cities down. But the fact is that uh, some small percentage of them are. And as long as you're marching with all of those people, you are somehow helping to facilitate an ideology that is purely anarchist right. and and anti antisocial in a way that leads to the destruction of mass amounts of property and life, right? right? Like, that, and that's not that's not what you want to do right. either, right? So, what would you? And that's a fair point. Like, what would be the approach then? Like, what just to say you're mostly decent people? We're not going to associate you with the crazies that are in the minority of the insurrection, and so let's have a beer. Like, what I mean. What is no, the- you just have to find a way. I don't know, but I know that you have to find a way to have this conversation without without it constantly resolving to a question of identity and a question of ideology right. that most people simply don't walk around with, right? right? Most people are not ideologues. Right. The overwhelming majority of people are, are not that, right? Even if they subscribe, even if they can point to some core, like those people can't point to any core fucking beliefs. Yes. Their core beliefs are America, yeah. freedom. Yeah. Like, those aren't even core you, beliefs. Even though you're doing un-American things, you think you're American, like you're overthrowing America's government and you think you're right. American. It's just, it just seems so obvious to me that it's an entirely counterproductive. Also, uh, I think the counterproductive, I, I will agree with you on this point, people put a lot of stock in shame. And so in, in many ways, like they're trying to shame some of the people by 
accusing them or associating them with white supremacists, right? And that's not a right. very and effective pe- way to go who about will, it. Who, who will, it's not going to work because they reject it out of hand. Yes. They say, but I'm not, like, I'm right. in their heads. And, and yeah, you can play that goofy academics game of saying, well, this is just a symptom of the patriarchy or of white supremacy. And, and if you go to the roots of how these people are feeling, it's a result of uh, an ideology of white supremacy that's been passed on for generation to generation. Right. Yeah, sure. You can play that game. That's cute. But when you bring it to the pages of the, the biggest newspapers in the country mm-hmm. and you're talking about more than just the three percenters, you're talking about more than just the, the, the true lunatics on the fringe, then the real estate lady from Texas who flew a private jet there mm-hmm. and, the, and the dozens of people who stream out the side of the Capitol building – they will laugh in your face when you call them racist yeah. because their friends are black. They have they they had dinner with their 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 daughters dating a Mexican. Yeah. What are you talking right. about? Am and I some a of racist? them are Mexican and blacks, and hence that. Uh, right. Yeah, so that not article. only can they not be shamed, they right. actually completely reject right. the thing that you're calling them. Right. So you're speaking a language that will never have any impact right. on them whatsoever. Right. So if you're trying to effectively communicate some message. You're not doing yourself any favors by pursuing this line of argument. I mean, there are people that, like I said, going back to uh, the earlier point, is that there are people that do believe in this white supremacist nonsense. And I'm not, and I'm not at all. I'm not trying to downplay or deny that those people exist. Right. I'm just suggesting that if you have a crowd of a hundred thousand people, and some thousand of them, or three thousand of them, or whatever the number is, are white supremacists, it does you no good to say that. Person number 92,343 is a white supremacist for having been in that crowd. Right. Because that person will think that you're a literal crazy person for telling them that. Right. Anyway, I don't even know how we got there, but at least we have some energy. You were mad about the New York Times edit or the Washington Post where they're trying to divide white people into groups or something. I don't know. White people that are into the whiteness or multiracial coalition for white people or I don't know. Right. I've just found myself incredibly down about the, the... I don't know how. You were listening to the radio and watching a video on your phone while you made dinner tonight. <laughs> about the <laughs> At future. At the same time. Because I, I don't... both audios it, it's happening. Just, it is such a bummer when something is presented to you and it looks like such an easy out and... Uh, Jim Jordan shows up and takes a dump on it instead. Like, and then they listen to Jim Jordan. Yeah. Like Jim fucking Jordan. Yeah. Like, and I saw something this week where of somebody on Twitter said this, and it's a fucking great point. And I allow myself to enjoy when other people psychologize other people mm-hmm. uh, because I reject it. It shouldn't be done. But if it uh, confer- if it conforms with something that I already You'll think about it. somebody, I stroke my beard and I say, hmm, yes, I do. I can see where this person did that. That's very smart. Uh, but so J- Jim Jordan is somebody who, when he was at Ohio State, was an assistant wrestling coach or whatever. Yeah. And is it Ohio State or some other? I, I don't know where the fuck Some he big time school. He's an as- assistant wrestling coach at some college. And the... The big coach there was a child molester. Yeah. Or he was not child molester. He was apparently diddling the yeah, wrestlers on his a team. A diddler of kids, yeah. And it's kind of like the Joe Pa situation, right? He Jim Jordan right, was right. aware. Jim Jordan of, was not willing to speak out against. He he was aware of what was going on. He claimed later that he wasn't aware of it, but of course everybody in the program knew what the fuck was going on. Right. 
And and he was willing to continue to go to bat for that coach, despite it being clear that that was a bad situation, that that was a bad guy. And of course, this is the same guy who now, after Trump has proven to be what everyone said that he was, or it's potentially as bad as what everyone said that he was, he continues to go to bat for him. Right. This is how he behaves uh, in the pack. That's his position in the pack, is to be the number two who never questions but uh, the number one. I, I will say, if you're just strictly looking at just surviving politically, there is no cause for this sort of bad behavior, right? And it's more likely than not that the principled politicians will be out of office sooner than the spineless Jim Jordans, who will have lengthy careers or as long as they want. And when they do decide to leave, they'll have a profitable career as lobbyist or whatever. Right, because it's just so rare that you get Peter Kinged, yeah. right? Yeah. That Peter, that it, it just almost never happens. That right. you, you have to be so completely outside and a pain in the ass for the people in charge of your party. And it's not like, like Kevin McCarthy, if, as much as he uh, sort of turned... T- slightly away from Trump in the last slightly, week. Yeah. Isn't isn't about to be censuring Matt Gates and and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan. Right? Those are still his people. And when and Jim the Jim Jordan types are going to come for the Liz Cheney types. They're going to come for anybody who was willing to stand up against Trump here right. at the end. All right. In the interest of uh, having a little bit of fun here, Ooh. I have a little game that I want to play. And this is this is a, a long-time throwback. I think the first episode of The Bob and Abe Show. We did whack shit or wacky shit, you'll recall. <laughs> and we couldn't agree on which was which. Right, we didn't know which was which. <laughs> but it was, I think in, in that rendition, I was reading Bible quotes or just some shit that I made oh, up okay. that sounded like Bible quotes. And I was yeah. trying to <laughs> fool you in guessing uh, which was which. Right. And you uh, are such an asshole that you usually go against your instincts and then end up getting it right. So it's, it's difficult. But what, instead of doing Bible quotes, what I have here, we have, we have three categories. Right. Okay. And this is – it's either whack shit, fake news, or wacky shit. So whack shit in this formulation is something that actually happened, right? Okay. This is – Something. This is this is the real stuff. Yeah, you're wrong again. Okay. At least you're consistent. Whatever. The, and then, <laughs> so that's what, category one. Whack shit yep. will be something that actually happened. Okay. Category two is fake news, which is something that was out there that actually happened out in the but like that that traditional version of fake news mm-hmm. where it's just somebody else made it up and it made the, like it made the rounds before like it made its way around the world twice before the truth could catch up to it and be proven wrong, right? So it's a made-up so story ca- covered in the regular pr- media as if it right. were true. Right. And then we have number three, uh, wacky shit, which is just something that I made up, okay? You're so bad at this. <laughs> so why? why? Make, because make your whack, argument. Whack is something made up. That's... I have heard many times people say uh, that shit is whack, and it's about something that actually happened. So, okay, that's I, my I think uh, I'm gonna. We have Urban Dictionary now. I'm, Hold on. 
If I'm going to be tripped up, it'll be because of your definition. Well, that's why You're it's so preemptively blaming my categories. <laughs> Something in bad taste to ooh, to masturbate. Oh, I guess Jeez. whack. Yeah, that makes sense. Good job, dictionary. What I have written down uh, is whack shit actually happened, fake news made up by others, wacky shit made okay, up by Bob. Okay, so the Urban Dictionary right. says it's something in bad taste or otherwise unappealing. Okay, whatever. It, so that's all of the above. True, false, made up by Bob. Yes. Those are those are basically the three yes. categories, yes. right? All right. I have four stories. All right, here we go. You have to assign the four stories one of those three labels, and I'm not going to tell you how many of each there are. Oh, come on. I don't need... I can suss it out, Bob. It could be all true. It could be all fake. It could be all stuff that I made up. I don't know. But here is number one. Okay. And now, just to be clear, I have paraphrased this story in a couple of sentences so as not to give it away with like official language where it sounds like a journalist wrote it. Like this is just all of these are written by me, but they summarize or maybe they don't actual gotcha. events. You're not going to disguise the Ivanka and Kushner shit story, Bob. I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Number one, Sean Hannity lost his lifetime pasta pass from the Olive Garden following the events of January 6th. Now, is that... <laughs> is that whack shit, fake news, or wacky shit? All right, so it's possible that, what, like some sort of Olive Garden ban? Like, you can't come to our Times Square Olive Garden? Well, I, I, I don't know anything about a pasta, lifetime pasta pass, but I could see, potentially... I don't know the answers to any of these. Oh, okay. With the Bible stuff, I knew a lot of them. I could see the Olive Garden giving certain people, Sean Hannity included, a lifetime pasta right. pass, which is fucked up because why would you give rich people food for free? Like they can afford yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. It's good advertising. Because they attract good advertising. other people. Sean Hannity goes on the radio and he yeah. starts talking up the Olive Garden because they so gave him a pasta that's, pass. That is my two cents I'm throwing in. So, like I could see that being a thing. Right. So as a secondary question, can Sean Hannity eat enough pasta to make a complimentary lifetime pasta pass a bad investment for the fine people at the Olive Garden. Now, it it could also, I'm thinking, uh, be just a regular restaurant in New York City, wherever he films his show, and they told them you're persona non grata. I'm going to say that that is whack shit. As in? Actually happened. All right, so that is, Lori, do you have a guess? No, I'm not guessing. Lori doesn't want to play. I don't like guessing games. <laughs> uh, I like the game where we figured out which happened in what order. Like, I can use my brain, but oh, fucking yeah, guessing that was is fun. stupid. Mm. All right, well, I'll fucking come up with a better game <laughs> next time. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Abe, you got it wrong. That was fake news. Oh, So, so wait, what do you mean? So That was news that someone else made up? So it's, it's not true, but it was actually covered as if it was true? That's right. So... It, Okay. It made the rounds on Twitter. Somebody came up with a big Olive Garden press release. Was it Olive Garden? Yes, it was so, the Olive Garden. Come on, Garden. give me half, half a point for at least identifying the hypothetical company. All right, so the, the vir- it was a viral post on Twitter that people passed around as though it were true. Okay. So but at, at Olive Garden, we're all family here. Our traditions, like unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks, have been enjoyed by many guests from all over the country and throughout the entire political spectrum. 
It has come to our attention that a few of our guests had taken part on a viscous, sick, attack on our nation's capital. We have worked with the FBI and the Holiday Inn in Washington, D.C. to identify several guests who both frequented our restaurants and participated in the violent uprising against our government this week. In response, Olive Garden has invalidated our never-ending pasta pass for several guests and revoked a lifetime pasta pass for Sean Hannity. But he wasn't there. All right, now I'm going to play you a clip of Sean Hannity on his program. He's commenting on this non-story? <laughs> responding you gotta to be kidding me. the viral well, There's post. nothing else to talk about, Abe. <laughs> nothing to see here. Just a witch hunt. Coming up, there was a blue check tweet today that I lost my lifetime pasta card at Olive Garden. We've looked into it. We'll tell you about what that's about. Also oh, he teased it. Yeah, he used it <laughs> as a teaser. Uh, anyway, uh, it wasn't real. Okay. But people thought it was. It was <laughs> That's good. All right. Number two. Okay. We have... So just this afternoon... Abe, mm -hmm. the White House, the Trump administration, put out something called the 1776 report. Have you seen this yet? I've heard of the 1776 commission. They've uh, come up with a report. Yes, they've issued a report. Uh, and here's, here's my summary of the news on this. The newly released 1776 report from the Trump White House, a direct response to the 1619 project, credits the Constitution with beginning the movement to end slavery worldwide. Is that whack shit, fake news, or wacky shit? Before I answer this question, and I'm probably going to get this wrong because I don't know, did I ever tell you of the historical drama that they should have come up with to where America lost the Revolutionary War and then there was, you know, the British get rid of slavery and they have another revolutionary war over the right to keep slavery and then that's our revolutionary war it'd be fun if there was like a alternate reality where our origin story is preserving but then we would lose it and we would just still be doing this right i mean it, we'll probably end up at the same point here but just like at least no matter all the other nonsense that's happened at least all of the the origins the the, the wars that america's fought have been all noble like the stupid king asshole, <laughs> the, the civil war to stop the slavery, world, the world wars. They're all like noble. I mean, not so much Vietnam, but like, you know, you can point to things and say, oh, we were good then. But if it was if the war was fought over the right America's right to keep slavery over the, the objections of the British, it'd be a funnier story. Right. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, this is wacky shit made up by Bob. Uh, no, that's in the document. That's on page 15 of the uh, 1776 Bullshit. Commission final report. Can right. I uh, Reading... answer the next two questions under protest? I don't like the – I'm going to verify these questions, but go ahead. Reading, reading from – sorry, not page 15. Page 11 of the 1776 report. The foundation of our republic planted the seeds of the death of slavery in America. The Declaration's unqualified proclamation of human equality flatly contradicted the existence of human bondage and, along with the Constitution's compromises understood in light of that proposition, set the stage for abolition. Now here's the kicker. Indeed, the movement to abolish slavery that first began in the United States 
led the way in bringing about the end of legal slavery. Many of the components of the early constitution were to kind of appease the slaveholding states, right? So they're they're it's kind of a strained argument to make that these Yes, but Abe, Abe, this the great slaveholder and freedom scholar Thomas Jefferson yes. and James Madison put a poison pill. That's right. <laughs> in the founding documents. It's like the it's like Rogue One. That's right. Exactly like Rogue One. Okay. Thomas Jefferson designed yes. the the trench in the Death Star. With one one flaw on purpose. That's right. Don't disparage uh, Thomas Jefferson on your podcast. Yeah, I know. But in, it's, in Charlotte. In Charlotte. Just a little. Less, yeah. It's a little much. There are ways to defend the founding of America and our founding documents and fa- founding fathers without resorting to suggesting that the United States Constitution, which enshrined in law uh, human bondage, was actually among the reasons why uh, slavery met its end worldwide we did i mean slavery was so much worse everywhere else that that's the argument that 1776 should be look well we're assholes but this was an no, era of assholes. half of their argument half of their argument is look everybody else was an asshole then right. too uh, and, and then they have to take it a step further and say and actually if it weren't for us slavery would probably still be a thing but it wasn't a thing right. in the country that the united states severed ties from they got to it sooner how was that possible those british assholes figured it out sooner all right number three here you're 0 for two so far Ah, according to your account (laughs) all right parents in denmark objected to a public television program that in a bid to promote body positivity and inclusiveness depicted the hijinks of a character with a freakishly long penis I think I've heard of this long penis thing. This whack shit, wacky shit, or fake news? Hmm. I'm going to go with, wait a minute. You know what? I'm keeping score here. <laughs> the first story was whack shit. The second story was whack shit. This third story sounds like whack Gaming shit. Are you game. doing some sort of whack thing? All right. I'm going to well, go. No, there, was that one, there was that one that was fake news. The Hannity one was fake news. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's been two. Okay. One has been fake news. One has been real news. I'm going to say... So none have been Bob made of them up. Yeah, this actually happened. Whack shit. Lock it in. All right, I have a video to show you. Oh, boy. This is a friendly, family-friendly show, Bob. I don't want to see no... Good day. John D. Oh, yeah, I read about this. John... John... <laughs> Wait, what is happening? That's his penis. He's um he's solving problems with his really long penis. If you related, but the good news, those at home who can't see this, it's covered. It's it just looks like it's part of his swimsuit. How do so people not make offensive. the association that that was his penis? It could be something else, like a umbilical cord because that never gave way. Because of where it is on his body. Because it comes out of his crotch oh, and it's his penis. It could be like an umbilical you know. cord superpower. Is he related to uh, the Waldo guy? Because he wears the stripes also. No, it no. It is similar. <laughs> no relation. Uh, no I relation. don't think Waldo was quite as well endowed. No, no, no. Uh, that's why he keeps uh, in hiding, you know? I'm, he doesn't want to be... I'm upset that you saw that. I'm upset that you knew that was coming. That's too bad. Uh, you can't open with cause... some fucking show with a big penis story. I'm sure those stories travel fast, Bob. The... <laughs> 
The defense of it is too much. I'll link the video and then also the but the article about it seriously, in the show notes. I could be a young person and I would, would have watched this for many years or many a year. And I would I wouldn't have made the connection that there was some sort of penis play. If you speak the language, you would know because his name is John PP. Oh, <laughs> you translate well, it. Really? It's, well, uh, that changes everything. I withdraw my previous ex- <laughs> It is made explicit. What the hell kind of show is this? Has a humongous cock, and he has to go about life uh, dealing with the travails of having such a humongous cock. He's caused problems with it. Yeah. Why doesn't your penis solve problems? That is true. Why does anyone else's does not? Yeah. You're all worthless except for this claymation man. That's true. All right, Abe, you're you're one for three. Here's number four. All right, let's get to five hundred. Here we go. This is the last one. A man told emergency room personnel that he inserted an RFID chip up his urethra in an attempt to ejaculate it into his girlfriend during the uh, physical act of love. For what purpose? He hoped to be able to, he hoped to, be able to use a phone app and attachment <laughs> to my scan girlfriend? the chip afterwards. Doctors were able to remove the small capsule. What was his purpose? His he was trying to keep track of his girlfriend? Some sort of scanning app on his phone. I don't know. There was not another way? <laughs> hmm. This story sounds very fishy, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never heard it. You know, like the, the last story, I heard something about it. I didn't know all of it, but this time's totally made up. Uh, let me look at your stupid little naming. I'm going to go with wacky shit made up by Bob. Yeah, I made that Kablam. up. Kablam! My favorite, my favorite news story today was the one about the guy who stole the car with the kid in it. Did you guys hear about no, that? Did, no. Did that? Okay, so guy steal. So woman goes into the store, right. just runs in, leaves her four year old in the back seat. Guy comes, steals the car, notices the kid in the back seat, drives back to the store. The woman's like, understandably freaking out. Right. He takes the kid out of the car. Yells at the woman for leaving her kid in the car, <laughs> and then drives off with the car again. It's amazing. It's like What's you the can't with do you, this. Your car might get stolen with the kid in it. Like what happened just now? I love that that, that this person is committing a crime, and it's like you crazy Stole person. Her. Yes, and he still he did it again. Like he took the car. Wow. Although, why? I mean, you, you it's can't illegal to leave your kid in the car. First of all. You can't do a quick stop at these groceries. It takes forever to get through. Like, I don't care if you're just trying to get one thing. It's not a 60-second in and out. So yeah. you've got to take – you can't leave people in the car. That's just – so I am – No, no. You and, you and the carjacker yeah, agree on, on that. Yeah, he's on that count correct. I, uh, I don't know. Although I never they, leave the kids in the car, but I always no, feel it's like illegal. I, I know it's illegal, but they left I, the I, kid I, and the keys. I take it right. She left the car running. I think this person. Okay, you know what? I am all in on the carjacker. That guy is hundred. But also, who steals a car now? Like who? Well, it's like, cars are getting stolen a lot right now. Are they? Yeah. But you know, it's kind of like you hear stories about people like uh, being worried about their phones being stolen, like. What is a phone really worth? Like, there's so many of them everywhere. Also, all these the time. days, a lot of phones are like They're locked up with like crack. my if iPhone. You, want crack, or you just steal a phone. It becomes inoperable. Right. You know, you can't use it. Trackable and lockable, and like 
they're useless. Right. Like it's not like you can sell a locked phone to a pawn shop, but right? Sure you, like, can. you know that expression, Bob. Opportunity makes a thief. If there's a car running, like you're just there just to get some Cheetos and you see a SUV and it's running and it's open. I think like 90% of phone thieves these days are just people who are looking to be thanked for having done something nice, but they're doing it in an underhanded way. Like, oh, <laughs> you were worried that some asshole stole your phone, but really, I just saw it laying there and picked it up, and I'm just doing the nice thing. Like the Chuck Palahniuk novel? Where yeah, the guy... like Choke, where the guy pretends to choke so that people who save his life will send him money. Oh, so he just does it to draw sympathy? Yeah, I, I think it's the same thing with cars. Who steals a car? But the person Somebody who just wants to be thanked. No, people, lots of cars are getting stolen lately. Right. Mm. Probably the, ours next. Oh wait, it doesn't move because the battery's. Also, dead. don't leave your car running. Yeah, I used to leave the car running when I was delivering pizza because I didn't want to start the car like a hundred times a night. I used to leave yeah. the only car that I would leave running was the uh, stick shift cars. I'm like, I trust that there's enough people here that don't know how to ride this that. <laughs> It'll be there when I get back. Get in to steal the car. You come oh, back no. and somebody's in the car trying to grind into second gear. Like, gets up and yells at you. Yeah. Who drives a fucking manual, <laughs> asshole? You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Also email the show, brainironpodcast at gmail.com. Before we uh, finish up here, because I want to say that I have nothing more to add when you ask me later, but what do you, do you expect any high-profile pardons between now and Wednesday? So there's that story that came out that said that he's got a hundred on deck for tomorrow, right. so that people that pay as up I'm already. Editing, yeah, right. As I'm editing this tomorrow night, I will hear myself sounding like an idiot, uh, which is always fun. Um, I say, little Wayne is going to be pardoned. You've got little, little Wayne, Wayne on the yeah, list? Yeah, he's got some sort of a gun charge, and he's facing right. 10 he was years. Carry, he was carrying as a convicted felon, I think, right? right? So I got him. He, he paid. Isn't he facing like 10 years in jail or something yeah, like that? that's what they say. Criminal justice system is the dumbest thing ever. But yeah, they say 10 years, but he wouldn't even serve that if he was actually convicted. But I suspect that money was transferred to the proper channels, and he's going to be pardoned. And I think that's – I don't think right. – because uh, basically the, the main concern was Trump pardoning himself and then part – and then Don Jr. and and Jared. I think Jared is not out of the realm of possibility. His old man was in prison, so he's probably – How do you pardon someone who doesn't have a crime? You know, it's it, – I mean the, – To say, you know, like for any federal – I think that you have to declare what you're pardoning them of. It's not clear. Yeah, I think I mean because the power the power is so broad and functionally unlimited that you can sort of do whatever you want with it. Right. Uh, I I do have trouble imagining that Trump will not take the opportunity to pardon his his kids just because I don't think he trusts them. <laughs> not, not out of any like not because he loves them yeah. and doesn't want them to spend any time in jail, right? But because Junior knows how all the sausage has been made right. and. I don't think Trump is confident that Junior wouldn't flip on him when it if it really came down but to it. But he also wouldn't not flip on him if he does pardon. Like what the fuck? Right. 
So you none of the family has any scruples about anything. That's true. None of it matters. So we're ruling out Trump partnering himself. That's unlikely. I think only because uh, only you because can't. I think he's probably been convinced you can't by the lawyers that it would only bring down more upon him. Right. Right. That that the the self pardon would. Open the, and it's fucking naive as shit to even say these words as they're coming out of my mouth. But if Trump were to pardon himself, you would think that you would find 17 Republicans who would be willing to then, even though it's not part even, of the impeachment yeah. charges. Like I was saying, even though like, those two things are not related, like the, the article, the single article of incitement of insurrection has nothing to do with him pardoning himself for some other reasons. Right. I do agree that more people will be willing to convict him. If he were to pardon himself. Right, because it's it, whatever else it is, it's a functional admission of guilt <laughs> on his part, right? Like, and he, he'll couch it in terms of uh, this is just me preventing a witch hunt, preventing myself from being victimized by the angry anti Trump right, mob right. or whatever. But ultimately, it is a reflection of his sort of inner belief that he might be guilty of something. Okay. And and it, it would be understood that way. And I don't I don't think that he will push that button, if only because I think that he does recognize that it makes his standing in the party that much worse. Uh, so I'm going to go lock it in. Lil Wayne, Jared Kushner. I wouldn't bet against you. <laughs> uh, and I take it uh, Assange is out, out or Snowden or anything like that, that's off the table also? Did you see that Bill Barr, the only person who Bill Barr acted, who actively spoke out against issuing a pardon for, was Edward Snowden? No kidding. So I guess that's like the one thing yeah. that the the two administrations uh, see eye to eye on. Like fuck that guy. Like this is a whole another big thing which we don't we won't get into. But the conflating of Snowden and Assange as as sort of the same thing in the I don't know which is which in the eyes of many leftists especially who believe that they were that each are equally blameless um, now I don't know that Julian Assange should be prosecuted by the United States government for what he did I, I, I think that uh, I think Snowden I mean by the way, Snowden is the contractor Assange was the WikiLeaks guy but um but I don't know what the oh, fucking difference okay. is. But I don't care. I don't want to talk right, about no, no. it. I don't. I'm just saying I don't know the difference, right. and I know things. The Assange guy, uh, Bob, it seems like he was kind of peddling in some shit. Like he didn't really dispel the notion that that Seth Rich guy was just some guy who was killed. In- right. I don't. I don't trust Assange at all. Right. Whereas I do trust Edward right. Snowden. Right. So, and that might that might just be a naivete on my part, but I I still feel like Snowden ultimately simply exposed secrets that needed to be exposed and then went to reasonable lengths to try to assure that those secrets were exposed in a way that minimized right. uh, exposure and risk to uh, American lives and other lives. Right. To the extent that whereas, he could, yeah. yeah. Right. Whereas Assange basically, either through sloppiness or by having people in his organization have other ideas... Uh, right. seemed to be much more willing to uh, put people in harm's way just for the sake of so-called transparency. Right. And I don't, I just don't, personal bias, I don't like Assange. I don't trust him. I don't, I don't buy his whole victim thing uh, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I don't think either one of them will be getting a part of okay. the, I do think that among the 
the final wave will be a bunch of awful pardons for well you don't save Trump, it for the last day for nothing yeah they're, they're, they're not going right. to be a, a palatable sort it's going to be like ugh. i uh i am disappointed that my i thought that he was going to do like like sweeping massive amounts of pardons yeah i'm surprised like thousands what, they said it's going to be around a hundred that's not nearly as much right. as i thought there would be i, mean, I guess people don't want to pay up yeah that that story is something else that Giuliani, in particular, was shopping pardons for <laughs> but it's, $2 million. It's the least surprising thing, though. <laughs> you have No, it's not at yeah. all surprising. And he, he came out and formally denied it. It's like, <laughs> I hereby declare that at no point did I ever uh, solicit money for pardons <laughs> on my behalf or anyone else's. It's like, oh, yeah, he definitely did he, that he, shit. It's probably he set it up in such a way where it's like the, the escort service. Like, you're, you're paying not for the sex, you're paying for, like, the, you know— companionship or right. what are some bullshit legal loophole yeah just just for dinner yeah and so yeah we'll, we'll eat for two hundred thousand, and then oh by the way i'll also pardon you you know not connected is that the full extent of the news that trump makes on his way out yeah is i that, think so at is, this point is the what else think, can he do you think the pardons thing is the last public act of uh outrage that the, the media finds something to be upset about yeah with either that or like he'll try to trademark air force one so he can continue to refer to whatever plane he's on as an air force <laughs> and he'll be denied yeah. but yeah I, I think the, the the time is 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 down to where there's nothing else he can do i uh, i am surprised that the relative calm like the the almost eerie calm of the last week yeah the fact that he hasn't been in public, the fact that he hasn't really been saying anything. It's not like he... has been off Twitter. Right, he's been off Twitter, but it's not like... That doesn't stop him from calling Brian Kilmeade up at Fox and Friends and chatting for half an hour in the morning, right? Yeah. It doesn't stop him from going on Hannity. And it's weird that he's just completely just... It doesn't stop him and his people from putting out stupid White House videos. Yeah, it is very odd, yeah. Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means that he's been chastened in some way by the events that have happened that he's worried about not being allowed to run in 2024 and wants to escape. I think, that. yeah, I think maybe some of the lawyers convinced them or scared them enough to say that you, you, you have some criminal exposure here because too many things are too connected. Like you can't distance yourself from the sequence of events that took place since the election and January 6th. So just shut the fuck up and, Finally, he's actually listening to a lawyer. Yeah. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. It's over. The Trump the Trump uh, presidency yeah, is, is it will done. be over. It's not quite over. It's not quite this over. Is the, let's just hold on just a fucking minute. Right. It'll be over on Wednesday. Right now we're at Monday. But this is the Are you gonna watch the uh watch Wednesday morning? Yeah, I'll have the TV and, on. Uh what? this is the last episode though of the Trump era. So next week, will, Trump will be the former president. I fucking hope yeah. so. It's just that you never know. Oh, come on. So just... Let me give one of my predictions. There's no scenario, Lori. There's no scenario where Biden right, is not you've president. Never been wrong. You've never been wrong. <laughs> Abe, you, uh, you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we will... Talk to you next time. Later. Part of apparently the reasoning, and of course all of this is just 
nonsense sorts sourced two anonymous figures inside the Trump White House, but apparently Trump is like hesitant or doesn't want to have to ask Biden for use of the plane afterwards, <laughs> which is like it's a traditional thing that after the inauguration, the president says, sure, you go ahead. Right. Old buddy, now private citizen, you can take Marine One, now just a Navy helicopter, since right. you're in it and not me. And then you can take Air Force One. Which is, you know, the, it's like a moment, you know, like with when Obama was there, the Trumps were there, and then Obama got on the plane, oh, the helicopter, and he, you know, left. So he, what, doesn't trust Biden that he's going to allow it? Like he's going to say, haha, you're going to have to take the I metro? Mean, like, it would be really funny if they told him he wasn't allowed to take the the jet. <laughs> I mean, like that, and that would be a good example of the Biden administration uh, failing to attempt to unify the country. Like that would be a, a really uh, not classy, bordering on trashy move for Biden to deny him the use of the plane. That's right. And it's it's funny that Trump is worried about that because it's almost certainly the sort of move that he would make if yeah. the tables were turned. Yeah, most of most of his concerns are things that he himself would have done if he was in that situation. Because Biden right. would have been like, yeah, sure, whatever, man. Just get the hell out of here. He wouldn't deny anything. Yeah. I mean, apparently they're going to do some sort of big fumigation or whatever it is. Oh, that's all, that's all such classic stupid transition stuff. That's right. all very like the Bush administration, like the, the Bush administration like shit in the garbage cans or something on the way out or the <laughs> the, the Clinton people were popping the W's off the keyboards right. or something yeah, stupid. Like all of that is just made up yeah. nonsense. Right. It's leaked by... that. Like that's the sort of thing where if I were a lower level administration employee, I would have like side bets with all of my fellow paper pushers around there mm -hmm. to see who could get the dumbest thing yeah. published as an anonymous White House source <laughs> in in Politico or something. Actually, that's a good idea. What the, the, the journalists should have at the end of an administration, the dumbest nonsense sources try to peddle, and you just said, no, this is too stupid even for us. Just, just like a whole mm -hmm. list of those kind of stories that just didn't make the cut. He's um he's solving problems with his really long penis. That's Abe. <laughs>